You're listening to The Final Stand with Pastor John. But, uh, I realize I've got a lot of stuff I've got to do today. So I'm going to get on here with the program. Those who are serious about following Christ are listening to these uh, lecture teachings. Those who are just flakes and just want to hear about the prophetic, they, <laughs> they, won't, they won't listen uh, to the teachings on being an actual disciple of Christ. And um, I didn't say that politically correct now that I, ouch. But anyways, I love everybody out there. I had to go uh, sooner than later. And uh, I was going to do it later, but I've got a lot of stuff I've got to do today. Welcome here to you who are here right now. And um, I'm doing a, a lectured series on what is the kingdom of God. You know, after Jesus' resurrection, the Bible says that Jesus taught on the kingdom for 40 days and 40 nights. He... Uh, he didn't, he didn't do a, a seminar on how to run your um, single meeting outreaches. He didn't, he didn't talk about doing volleyball games. Um, he did not get into a lot of the things that churches get involved in talking about, but rather Jesus um, actually preached on the kingdom of God and, and how it is impactful to us and what it means, actually, just understanding the kingdom of God for a lot of people is uh, a pretty big thing. Now, I'm going early here on my program. We just thank you, Lord, that you bring in people from the north, south, east, and west. We went ahead of the scheduled uh, broadcast because we got things to do. We thank you, Lord, that you're bringing people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We thank you that your word will not go go out from your mouth that it returns void, but it'll accomplish what you sent it to do and it'll prosper in the task you've sent it to do. So we thank you, God, for doing that. And we thank you for your angels going out and bringing in people from the north, south, east, and west. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, letting the word of God transform people's lives as they understand and accept the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Welcome here again. Thank you running a little late today or a little early today. I'm going a little early today. That's all right. And I'm, I'm going before my broadcast, by the way, do pray also. Um, and if you get this broadcast later, understand that I have been understanding from a lot of people that people are being unsubscribed on my website. That's just not this one. People are subscribing. And they're staying subscribed, but on here, they're being unsubscribed. Uh, there's an inconsistency here, and I'm not the only person who's noticed this happening on YouTube. We don't know if it, uh, we don't want to say it's malicious or uh, nefarious, but something is happening with us people who are creators and have channels and ministries. So please, if you've subscribed, come back a week or so later and check again or five days later the next day and subscribe again to make sure that you're staying subscribed uh, because throughout the Internet, um, conservative people are saying that uh, some reason or another, they you know, they pay for advertisement or whatever, and they have all these people come in and look at their website and they subscribe, but then later they show they are unsubscribed. This is very suspicious. 
we cannot make a a we're we're not giving uh, we're only talking about it as an opinion. We don't have an opinion on this. Uh, at least if we did, we were not going to talk about it here. But uh, we're just saying, please do subscribe. And if you have subscribed, resubscribe, because something has been going on on YouTube. Um, you know, and why would somebody, you know, uh, well, anyways, I'm not going to get into this right now. I'm going to get into the, the teaching today, talking about the kingdom of God. And you've got to understand that you're in the kingdom of God, whether you want to be in the kingdom of God, whether this teaching seems relevant to you, whether it seems Im- impactful to you. Um, it is totally a, a, a necessary understanding of scripture, understanding the kingdom of God. And just as a person who's done a lot of study of the word of God, you need to understand that the pillars are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are not the epistles. Um, if you don't believe that, go do a study yourself, okay? You will see that that the epistles uh, are secondary to the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus never intended people not to obey the gospels. He preached that they should, Okay. And if you do a study of early Christianity, uh, which you would be able to learn a lot more about Christianity if you did, um, you would understand that in the first, second, and third century, before Romanism came along, that the Gospels were considered the foundation of the church. The Pauline epistles are, were, were scripture. So was Peter, first and second Peter, uh, Jude, James. The book of Revelation, First John, Second John, Third John, but the Gospels were considered the pillars of the church, and this is what early Christians said—not people two thousand years later, but people that actually had their hands laid on them by the apostles, people that had uh, been taught by the apostles themselves. These people said that the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—were the foundation and pillar of the church you need to understand that so when you're talking about the kingdom you must address it in this type of thinking and you must understand that jesus taught uh, what he said was for you it wasn't for some other generation it was for you it's it's important for you to understand that because for you to understand uh, for you not to believe that you're not going to be able to operate in the kingdom of god you say really no no of course not um, you know, Paul didn't preach that you just believe, by the way. He didn't teach that. He didn't teach that. Uh, people will say, you know, Paul just said believe. That's all you need to do. No, he didn't teach that. Paul goes and he warns in all of his epistles almost that believers, he's talking to believers, believers that uh, com- that live a life of fornication, live a life of drunkenness, live a life of extortion, will not enter the kingdom of God. He warns believers, not unbelievers, in his epistles. So they are believers. So, and yet he warns them they won't enter the kingdom of God if they practice the lifestyle of that. And that's, that's, that's talking about willful sin. And this whole thing we're not going to get into today, but understand Paul didn't separate a practice of righteousness um, and, and following the Lord. Hold on here one second. My my technical stuff, I forgot to have it up. But anyways, um, so let's get into this more here today and have an understanding of all of this here. 
I'm going to be getting into different understandings of the of just even now what I'm going to talk about right now is from actually one of Paul's epistles, but but you can go back into the earlier scripture. Uh, first, we're going to go into John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life loses it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Okay, so there's some conditions here. This is the kingdom of God. This is uh, from the Gospel of John. Jesus is not just talking about physical death, but Jesus is talking about dying to yourself spiritually. Okay, and we can see that in the latter part of what he says. He that loveth his life shall lose it. Now, people are all about loving their life, right? You've got your career figured out, your marriage figured out, your future figured out, your 401k figured out, what you want to do, where you want to live, okay, right? So this whole perspective of loving your life is a big part of what's taught in the churches today. But this is actually contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, who is our Lord? Jesus. You know, Isaiah says there's no other God but but the Lord, and there's no other Savior beside him. Listen, Jesus is the Savior. His words are our life. And so we want to go to what Jesus said. Jesus said this, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Okay, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Well, right there it says you can lose your eternal life. By the way, it does say that. Okay, and so he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. You've got to hate your life. You cannot be about yourself. And we, as human beings, you know, we are very into uh, survival. We're very into that. I mean, we were created in a sense to have that as a, a part of who we are so that we could survive. But what happens is it gets out of control and then it becomes this doggy dog world and it becomes becoming number one. And a lot of it just comes into narcissism. I can't think that a lot of, I mean, the the attitude that I see among Christians is like, well, I'm going to marry this person. And you're like, did you pray about it? I'm going to marry this person. I can't stay single any longer. Um, You know, well, or I'm going to take this job. I can't, I've got to, I've got to take this job, even though, you know, um, it's going to take me away from my family or it's going to whatever. No, I'm not going to listen to anybody's advice. I need the money. Okay. And we could go on and on and on forever and ever, you know, to eternity with, with scenarios that we could discuss on here. So the main point that I want to talk about is the kingdom of God is a real and present place where Jesus Christ is king. Just because at some, just because at one time in your life you ask Christ to come into your life, doesn't mean that He is King and Lord of your life today. So the kingdom of God is a place 
Just like a kingdom is a place, the kingdom is an actual place, okay? Uh, a kingdom is a place that is located somewhere on the earth that you can find, okay? And the kingdom of God is a place that is located, and it's a spiritual place, and it is as in a real kingdom, there is a king. In order for you to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. There is a king in this kingdom. Now, this king is supreme. He's not secondary. He is the king. He is supreme. Everything that goes on in his kingdom is based upon his laws, his precepts, his ordinances, okay, his statues. He's in charge. You're not in charge. He is. So we don't understand that today. So people are just like they, they're totally running their own lives without out asking or seeking God's direction in their life. And that's unbiblical. Okay, that's unbiblical. Now, do you need to pray about what tie you need to wear? No, just ask your wife. She'll tell you. Okay. Do you need to pray about what gas you put in your tank? No, just read on the, you know, open up, open it up, look inside. It'll tell you what type of gas there. Don't need to pray about that. Okay. But you should be praying about every spiritual major decision in your life. You should be. And I believe you should be fasting for that. I, I shared that on this program a few days ago. Someone asked me very intelligently, asked me a question about, well, where's that in the Bible? And that was a good question. And I appreciated that question because it was honest and legit question and uh, to which I gave the answer from uh, trying to find exactly where I gave it, but I can't find it here, but it's Isaiah 58 and um, pardon me, I got something there, a little grit from the uh, coffee there. Okay, Isaiah 58. I'm going to go there real quick. I'm not going to have a lot of time to talk today, y'all, but I'm just going to share some thoughts here. Even if all we get through today is this part, that's fine. I've got a handyman coming over today. He lost his, his dimensions and wanted me to give him, to take and measure all his stuff out. I'm not going to do that. I don't have time. I've got to do things today. By the way, thank you for your prayers for my wife. She did come through her surgery. That was an ouch. And I, I had to save up to get all of the surgery done for my wife's teeth. I got a discount because I'm, I have a 5013. And the place that we did our wife, got my wife's teeth done is actually the, the people, literally, they pray for you. <laughs> they actually are praying, like you know, pleading the blood of Jesus over you before you get your surgery and stuff. It's an amazing medical place. I I'm like, well, what a dental office. Uh, never seen nothing like it. So my wife said that the Lord told her to go there. And then after I, we went there, I was like, well, I really think the Lord did. I mean, the literal surgeon, he's praying and he's pleading the blood of Jesus. And, and he's like, we're going to, I was like, wow. Very, but anyways, uh, she did come out well through that. I saved it for a, a, quite a while to be able to afford that. But I, but I think it's some of the best money I've ever invested in my life. But uh, so thank you for your prayers for my wife and her recovery, because uh, we, we, she did the surgery did go very well, and um, I believe that she's going to be fine. I'm going to just read real quickly here. Um, it, it's from it's from uh, Isaiah fifty eight. 
is it such a fast, verse 5, that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bull rush to spread out sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Is it not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that every yoke is broken? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bringest the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou covers him, that thou hides not thyself from thy own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as a morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be re, uh, shall be your reward. Then thou shalt call on the Lord, and he shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou wilt take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity, you know, see people, they, they're always talking about other Christians. Those people, they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to have their prayers answered. Okay. Don't be, don't be doing that. Don't be pointing the finger. God didn't give you a ministry to point the finger. The accuser of the brother and dead, you work for him. Don't say you work for God. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then thou shalt rise then thy light shall rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as a noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make that and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I'm just going to stop at this point. This is on fasting, which is a New Testament teaching, a part of the kingdom of God. It's a part of the kingdom. Jesus said, not if you fast, but when you fast. So we're preaching and teaching on the kingdom of God and its impact upon our life when we submit to the principles of the kingdom of God. And we're, gonna, we're talking about the principles of the kingdom of God and how they are transformative. Now, the word transformation has to do with a distance of time, okay? It actually comes from the word metamorphosis, okay? And this word has to do with like a a a, um, a worm becoming a butterfly. It's it it still has the same DNA, but it, there's a metamorphosis, and that is where that's the etymology of the word uh, uh, that we we use, like to be transfigured or transformed. Okay, a metamorphosis. This requires a time. Okay, change takes time. It's not automatic. It's a process. Let's never forget that. And so in the kingdom of God, we have to be practical. We cannot be unrealistic about change and growth in the kingdom of God. And so this is a principle of the kingdom of God. People don't want to fast. But Jesus didn't say if you fast, but Jesus said when you fast. Okay, hold one second. Jesus said when you fast. I'm letting this load up. Okay. Matthew 6.16. Okay. Matthew 6.16. And again, if you want to have your life transformed, you follow this program because you will never be the same. Okay. Hold on. 
hold on, this did not work correctly. Must have hit something wrong somewhere. Because the word of God is going to change you. Okay, so here's here's Jesus talking. He says, moreover, when you fast, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to be fasting. They want to be seen that they're fasting. Really say to you, they have their reward. But when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou may appear not unto man to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So when you fast, you're not to be out there letting everybody know about it. You're not supposed to be telling, hey, brother, I'm on a fast, sister, I'm on a fast. You're not supposed to do that. That's wrong. You're supposed to do fasting, according to Scripture, secretly. Okay, but this all has to do with the principles of the kingdom of God, too. You don't go out and blow your horn. Jesus says, if you tell people what good things you're doing, you don't receive any reward for them. Okay, sometimes we have to communicate to people what we're doing when we have a ministry. So occasionally we talk about those things. Okay, but I don't do it readily because I realize, wow, if I tell everybody that what we do in this ministry I receive no rewards when I get to heaven. That's silliness. So we don't always talk about it. I just, I'll just tell you this, what I've said before, this is a 513 ministry. And I will tell you this, we are not a nonprofit. We are not a charity. We're, we are not a charity. We're a nonprofit. But I'll tell you this, we do help and minister to the needs of others. And honestly, we do more than charities do. In the, because I've looked at what charities do, very well-known, famous charities. They do not do the charitable work that this ministry does. But I do not talk about what we do here. I'm not going to tell you what we do here, all the different things we do. I've done it several times just to share. I give you insights sometimes. And I'm like, man, Jesus said I'm going to lose all my rewards. I'm not going to tell the people what this ministry, what we do. But we are a ministry, and we do stuff. That's simply people, ministries operating in a non-renewed mind. It's ministries operating in non-renewed mind that constantly are showing everything they've done and they're doing, they're, they're doing that in order to rise, to raise finances. That's why I don't make that as a practice here and never have. And those people watch me for years know that's a fact. Okay. Because I actually believe in the kingdom of God. And that's not that interesting. That's surprising that I actually believe in the kingdom of God. And when Jesus talks about praying, do it in secret. When you do your giving, do it in secret. I believe that. When you do ministry to others, that needs to be in secret too. So we don't have to talk about, oh, I did this and I did this and that. No, we don't need to do that. The Lord knows what we're doing. Okay. So anyways, so fasting is a part of the kingdom of God. And fasting is a, is a type of asceticism. Now, radical asceticism is unbiblical. Asceticism for the purpose of asceticism is unbiblical. And asceticism is to deprive oneself of pleasure. And the Roman Catholics are into that is a, a, a cultic, uh, you know, like a cultic type of teaching. Okay. We are to, we are to deprive ourselves at times from things that give us pleasure, such as food. We are to do that. And of course, the things of the flesh always. But sometimes we have to fast in order to tune our spirit up, in order for us to, to put the flesh down, in order for us to hear God. To be honest, I, I don't care what sin you have committed or what sin you've struggled 
with in your life. Did you know that if you go on a fast, you can deal with it? I'm telling you the truth. And if you don't believe me, you've not been a fasted person because fasting will put a nail in the coffin of the flesh. Okay, and, and listen, you go on a three-day water fast, you just seek the Lord, okay, you put everything away, you don't, you don't go driving around doing stuff, you, if you're going to do it for a day, you, you go for a day, you, you put up your, you don't watch the television, you don't answer your phone, you put your cell phone away, okay, and you fast and pray, nothing else but fasting and pray, I think you ought to do it for two to three days, okay, at least two days, okay, and you put everything aside. You don't go out and do your own business on a fast. It talks about that in Isaiah 58. You don't do your own pleasure on a fast. You're not like you don't go to movies, entertainment. You don't do it. Fasting is for seeking the Lord only. When you do that, it's transformative because it's like it's like getting uh, a tune-up. It's like it's like uh, recalibrating yourself. Okay, and when you do that, it puts you on track. Okay. You show me people that live bound to sin, and I'll show you a person that does not fast. Fasting is not an option, and Jesus didn't suggest it. Jesus said, when you fast. Now, I understand, like, you know, me, um, you know, I was born in 19, uh, 1964, okay? So, you think, well, when you get older, you can't fast. No, you can still fast. Because listen, listen, if you die during a fast, well, then you go to heaven. To be honest, simple as that. Simple as that. If you if you die during a fast, then you go to heaven. Okay? Then it's the Lord's will. Okay? So don't worry about it. Right? Don't worry about it. Fast. Okay? That's the truth. Okay? So, so you need to be fasting. You need to be living a fasted life, okay? Christians, we're to be living a fasted life. And as we do that, it's a part of the kingdom, and it's a part of this principle of the kingdom of losing your life. So I'm not digressing. If you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you hate your life in this world, you'll keep it to eternal life. That's a kingdom principle, and there's a conversion there. And this part of this conversion rate of heaven is that that. Heaven requires death, surrender, or brokenness of your will in order for you to have life. That's that's how heaven uh, does transitions, okay? All right? Okay? That's how it happens. So when something dies, when someone dies to things, there's a resurrection, when we give up things for the Lord, he gives them back to us, okay? This is how that is. That is, that is the conversion rate of heaven. That is the, uh, that is the I, I don't know the ter term, the, the, I don't want to use the word commodity. Um, well, I'm thinking of another word for money. I can't think of it right now. Uh, didn't drink enough coffee, but that's the exchange rate of heaven. Okay, so in the scripture that I read a second ago here, this is how heaven works. And if you're not, if you're not getting something from heaven, it's because you're not operating the exchange rate of heaven. Um, John 12, 24, okay, and 25, he that loveth his life will lose it. That's not, a, that, that's, heaven doesn't work on that way. If you're loving your life, 
you're you're going to actually lose it. That's not the that's not the that is not the exchange rate of heaven. Here's the exchange rate of heaven, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. In other words, the person that's willing to lose his life is going to keep it. Okay, that's the exchange rate of heaven. Okay, in other words, if you want to if you want to to deal in 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 heaven's assets, okay then you need to understand that heaven operates on the principles of death brings forth life. But if you just want to serve yourself and then you want to blame God that you're not living a more spiritual life, but you're, you're narcissistic and you're me centered and I centered and what I want. And then you're throwing a tantrum because you're not getting it. And then you listen, the, the kingdom of God, these words that I'm going to teach are going to offend many people and they will not listen because they've been taught a false teaching about what the kingdom of God means and how it operates. Okay. So if there is a lack of you experiencing the peace of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom, the love of the kingdom, the faith of the kingdom, the charity of the kingdom. Okay. This is because there's an exchange rate to deal with heaven. And it is, you've got to lose your life to save it. It's not you having your best life now. That's in heaven. Here, we've got to take up our cross and deny ourselves. Okay? And that's what we've got to do. We've got to deny ourselves. Okay? Jesus said, if any man will come after me, he, he must, he must uh, take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Give me one second here. Going back into here to the scripture here. Oh, didn't work. One second. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay, so Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24. And I'm going to go here. Uh, Matthew 16. Pardon me one second as I do this. Um well, this app has never been fixed again. I have a problem with an app that went crazy on me. I'm going to have to uninstall this app. What a problem. Anyways, I had an app that went bad on me. Sorry. Uninstall this app. Boop. Okay. There we go. Anyways, I'll go there right now to Matthew. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, I was going to look at it for you, Matthew 16, 24. Okay. This is the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Who's been telling you you're going to have your best life now? Who's been telling you that you are chartering the course for your life? You're so, you, listen, I'm going to tell you how this is how it goes. Okay. You're a spirit wrapped in a soul living in a body. Now, the spirit is to be the one who's telling you what you do, what to do. But the, the spirit of God is not at the helm. The spirit of God is is not the rudder. 
you are at the helm and you are the rudder. You are a soul. Okay. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. God says for you to obey God. It says that thou shalt love the Lord with all thy mind, with all thy heart, with all thy will, with all thy soul. Now he breaks it down there and he's just reiterating. He says, you're to love God with all your soul, with all your will. So your soul is how you obey God. Okay. Because your spirit, okay, can't do anything because it's it, it doesn't have a body to it and it doesn't have a will. It's connected. And I could get into this again. Listen, you, if you think the soul is something that is temporal, you're wrong because the Bible talks about that the soul will be in hell forever and that the soul of the righteous will be in heaven forever. So we know, therefore, that the soul is eternal and it's immaterial. We know that. Your soul is who you really are. That is the real you is your soul. And Jesus says you're to love the Lord with all of your soul. That's how you do things. So the spirit of God, which is in you, and if you're born again, which is one with you, he is the one who tells us what to do. But how do we do it? We take our soul, our will, and we do it. So being led of the spirit means, you know, not just hearing what the Holy Spirit says when he speaks to us, but the word of God, you can't separate the word from the spirit and you can't separate Jesus, who is the word, from the literal word. You can't. They're the same. So if you want to be led by the spirit, you've got to do with the word of God. Don't make things so mystical or esoteric. They're not. Jesus said the words that I speak, they are, they are spirit and they are life. Okay. Other places said the words they speak, they are truth. See, Jesus' words are spirit. If you want to be led by the spirit, you got to be led by the word, okay? We've got to be practical. And so the kingdom of God, which is this part we're talking right now, right now here, what does Jesus say here? Okay, I want to go back down here. Verse 24, when Jesus said unto his disciples, then Jesus said to his disciples, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. The word self there is, is the word suke, which is the soul, the mind, the will, and your emotion. You've got to deny that and subject it to what the spirit wants, which is if you don't hear the spirit, that's okay. We don't always hear the spirit 24 hours a day. You listen to what the word says. That's why you must, you must study the word daily. Let me tell you something. This is going to sound, it's going to sound like there's a, a, a duality here, but it's not. Listen, you are, to, your soul is the rudder, is to be at the helm of your life. It is the spirit of God that is you're following, right? The Bible says be led of the spirit. Well, if you're being led by something, that means you're following something. So you are actually following, you are, but who are you following? You're following the spirit. So you make your choices to obey God or not to obey God. And so when he says that if any man or any woman wants to come after him, they must deny their soul. Your soul, that mind, will, and emotions must come become subject to the Holy Spirit. That's a part of this kingdom thing, okay? It's a kingdom principle, okay? Now, I want to explain something to you. If your mind is not renewed, Okay, if your mind is not renewed, 
Hold on one second. If your mind is not renewed, then you're going to be led by a non-renewed soul. Your, your mind can, if your mind's not been renewed by the word, then your perceptions, your ideas, your thoughts are not right. And so how can we think right? We, we can take heed to the word of God. We can have our minds renewed. And when, we, when our minds are renewed, then we can understand the Father correctly. We can perceive ourselves correctly, and we can see others correctly. We can understand how we're to live. But our minds have got to be renewed. Okay? And, and if you're not being renewed by a renewed mind, you're, you're living by stinking thinking. And that is living according to the flesh. So look at, you cannot be led by a non-renewed mind, a non-renewed soul. But how does the soul get renewed? According to the Bible, you've got to take up your cross. You've got to pick up your Bible. It's not going to happen just like on its own. You've got to study the word of God. The Bible says you're to study the scripture. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then you'll know the truth and the truth will be set you free. He said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then truly you're my disciples. So we're not, you can't even be a disciple of Jesus if you don't study scripture. David said, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Listen, we need light. And not trying to sound wise or anything, but Solomon, he could have asked for riches and he could have asked for the, the life of his enemies. But instead, he asked for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's what he asked for. And the Bible said that God was very pleased with this. And Solomon wrote a book later called Proverbs, which is one of the most practical books on wisdom that's ever been written, to be honest. And by the way, if you read in a good translation, the word wisdom is common sense. Okay? And so... You need the wisdom of God in your life for choices and decisions. Think of all the stupid things people have done and all the stupid things Christians have done, right? So do you need wisdom? I think you do. Does that make sense? I think it does. Okay, so we need the word of God every day. Why? Because otherwise we're going to be, we're going to, our souls are not going to be renewed. Our mind is not going to be renewed. And we are going to talk to people wrong. We're going to react to circumstances wrong. We're going to make bad decisions that are not being spirit-led, okay? Because a, a renewed mind can be led by the spirit. A non-renewed mind cannot be led by the spirit. How can, how can it? How can a non-renewed mind be led by the spirit? It cannot be. It's impossible. You've got to renew your mind. That's what you've got to do. You've got to renew your mind. That's what you have to do. And that is a daily practice. And when you renew your mind, then you can know what the will of God is by a renewed mind. I've got flies in here. I, man, how, what a, I'm going to get a fly killer. I live in the mountains. I'm up here. I got chickens. You know, we're out here. People have uh, horses. I got cows. I got flies this year. Got to get rid of them. Ay, caramba. It's amazing. But you get them out here in these rural areas, mountain areas, but we always kill them too. But I don't like these unclean things. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. You got to deny yourself. You got to deny your, your mind, what you think, 
what you think. Well, I think I ought to get this degree. I think I ought to marry this lady. I think I ought to get this job. I ought to move to this state. Now, you've got to renew your mind so that your mind is renewed by the word of God. Then you'll be able to hear the Holy Spirit. The uh, problem is, I'm going to tell you something that's very profound today, and I want you to hear this. I'm going to go to a scripture. This will help you to renew your mind. But let's finish this up, uh, Lord willing. I get through this whole thing here. Okay. Then he says here, for whosoever shall save his life will lose it. I'll keep on this. This person is ridiculous calling me this handyman that didn't that lost all his paperwork and wants me to go and, and, and take a measuring tape and do all the measurements for his work that he lost. I'm not doing it for him. I've got ministry to do. I've got other stuff to do. Silliness. Um, for whosoever shall, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what, for what is a profit to, what does it profit a man? For what does it profit a man? This is a different translation, but I'm going to read it. Okay. It says for, for what uh, does it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I thought maybe the handyman's here. You know something? The devil doesn't want your flesh. What good is he going to do with a bunch of dirt? The devil doesn't want your flesh. He wants your soul. The Bible, Jesus said, don't worry about the person who can kill your body. But the person who can take your soul and cast in hell, God will cast your soul into hell. The devil doesn't do it because the Bible says in Revelations that the Lord took the keys from the devil of, of hell, death, and the grave. So God throws people's souls in hell. And he says, don't fear the person who can kill your body, but fear him who can throw your soul into hell. So the devil doesn't care about your flesh. That is, he don't, he, don't, he don't need your flesh. Your flesh is just a bunch of dirt. He don't need that. He wants your soul. That's right. And so that's why you need to renew your, your, your mind, which is a part of your soul, because the devil wants that. He wants your mind. Interesting, isn't that? A little different thinking. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? The devil don't want your flesh. He wants you to get in the flesh. But I want your flesh. And you can't get in the flesh ever without your soul. Because you are a spirit wrapped in a soul, living in a body. See, your spirit needs your will to execute, be executed to do something in your body. The devil can't make you sin. He's a disembodied spirit. And you... And, and you your mind, will, and emotions, they're not your body. You are your mind, will, and your emotions, so your flesh cannot sin. Oh, that's a revelation. How could your flesh sin? Your flesh needs your will to agree. So, so that's the truth. Nobody ever told you that, but it's the truth. And God, when you got born again, God didn't set you on default to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is a choice. It's volitious, it's conscious, it's a decision, it's intentional, it's purposeful, it is willful. 
Love the Lord, Jesus said, with all your will. That's a part of your soul. That's how you follow God. That's how you obey God. So that's the kingdom of God. Okay? So you can lose your soul. The devil's not interested in your body. He wants you to live after your body. That's true. But that only can happen through your soul. So we've got to renew our minds. It's understanding of the kingdom of God. And so a person can lose their soul. They can lose their mind, their will, and their emotions. And that's what the devil wants to do. Okay? So understanding the kingdom of God is that you've got to understand that this is the way the kingdom operates. This is the way the kingdom functions. Okay? And... um Anyways, I've got to get off today. I've got to do a bunch of stuff, but I wanted to come in here, brothers and sisters, and I'm going to do more teachings, more lectures on uh, the kingdom of God. And I'm going to read one last scripture on the kingdom of God here today, and then we're going to move on. So we're going to be doing different lectures on this because it's going to take a while to teach on this concept of the kingdom of God and also just to really get it in there. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those things I count loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as dung that I might win Christ. Now, this is Paul the Apostle continuing on this thought of losing your life to gain the kingdom. Same thing, Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I count loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them done, excretion, nothing, poop, that I might win Christ, that I might win Christ. So, Again, if, if, you're going to, if you're going to win Christ, you're going to have to lose your life. If you're going to win Christ, the exchange rate of heaven is you've got to be willing to give something up in order to receive. That's the way that is. And it doesn't matter, matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if that's not the lens that you're thinking through or the, or the, or the filter you're thinking through because that's because you've got a non-renewed mind. You don't understand the kingdom of God. So you're not going to get anything from God and willing, unless you're willing to, like Abraham, lay down the thing you want and put it on an altar and put it to death. You're not going to see resurrection there. It's not going to happen. Okay. So you're going to have to be willing to die in order to live. This is what we call the upside down kingdom. You give to receive. The meek inherit the earth, not the proud, right? You turn the other cheek. You love your enemy. You pray for those who despitefully uh, use you. That's the kingdom of God. That doesn't fit into your lens. Your mind is not renewed. That is from the, the gospels. That's understanding the kingdom. And when we understand the kingdom, then we can receive from the kingdom. Because there is, there is an exchange rate in heaven, and it is that we must die to ourselves to live to Christ. We can't do both. I cannot live for myself and live for Christ, right? Right? I cannot, I cannot live for myself and live for Christ. I cannot serve myself and serve Christ. 
They're diametrically opposed one to another. I don't know where my handyman is. He doesn't seem to be showing up. I got flies in here today, man. Oh, got chicken poop outside. Got chickens. This is a, <laughs> it is what it is. Got to kill them. Got to go buy myself one of those buzz killers today. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyways, back at the farm. <laughs> Reality. So, God bless you. I thank you for, for following today and, and just wanted to give you a little uh, holler out there. Amen. So again, you are not a human having a spiritual experience. It's unbiblical. It's untheological. It's incorrect. You are a spirit having a human experience. You've got your paradigm wrong. Man was created in the image of God. God and the Bible says, get scripture involved. I quoted it wrong before, but it's... Um, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 23, said God is a spirit and seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is, is not human. God does not have a natural, temporal, corporeal body. He is eternal. He's spiritual. So God is a spirit. And the Bible says we were created in his very image and likeness. So therefore, we are spirits. We have a soul. We live in a body. Okay, we are not humans having a spiritual experience, but we're spirits having a human experience. Okay, and how we do in this human experience is going to determine heaven or hell or the rewards that we will as well have. Okay, all of those are true to everyone. Okay, and so what we have to do is live according to the spirit, which is to live according to what the Holy Spirit speaks to our, our conscience. But not only that, what the word of God says. Because that's how you renew your mind. Jesus said, you're washed by my words. The Bible tells husbands, wash your, your wives by the water of the word. Okay? The washing and the renewing of your mind is what he's talking about. So our minds are renewed by the word of God. So we've got to have spirit food, the word of God. That's why teaching like I'm doing today is essential. You need to hear the word of God to transform the way you think. Okay, that, that in itself is a message. You need to hear the word of God to transform the way you think. You need to hear the word of God to transform you the way you think. And I'm going to explain one other scripture I wanted to go to today, and I forgot about it, but here it's come back to me. I'm like, Holy Spirit, wasn't there another thing that I was supposed to share today? And I just remembered what it was. Amen. John Chapter 7, you want to hear from God? You want to know how to hear from God? Well, be more, more, uh, more concerned about obeying what the Word of God says, which is what the Spirit of God is saying, than just having a dream or a vision. Because you can never be misled by Scripture. Okay? So John chapter 7, verse 17, if any man will do his will, he's talking the will of the Father, if anybody will do what the Father says, he will know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak myself. So Jesus is saying, look, if you obey the Father, you'll discern and know that what I'm saying is true. You'll know of what I'm saying is true. He, Jesus said, if you obey the Father, you'll know whether what I am saying is true. Jesus was saying that of himself. You'll know whether it's true or not. How? By obeying God. Did you know that if you try to hear God, and you're not obeying God, 
that you're open to channeling spirits. Did you know that? Everybody talks about being led of the Lord today. Be very careful about that. Did you know that if your heart is not set on obeying God, doing what the Father says, you can't even have discernment. And so you want to have dreams. You want to have visions. You listen to every, you think that everything that shakes, wiggles, and moves is of God and is prophetic and revelatory. Wait a second. If your heart's not set on obeying God, then you're open to channeling spirits. That's one of the most profound things. That's the profound thing I was going to tell you today. It's the truth. And, the, and you'll not understand that till you get to heaven, but it's the truth. Unless you're ready to obey God, you're open to channeling spirits. And you're very spooky, and I and I'm I'm afraid of you. Because the word you've got to be ready to obey God, and synchronize yourself with what His Word says, so that you have a renewed mind, and a renewed mind can discern the voice of God. A wow, that's pretty good, and it's good not because I said it's because it's from the Holy Spirit. Okay, because I'm talking under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and that's why it's good. Amen. I'm telling you this. Here's another good scripture. Good understanding have all they that keep thy law. Now, there's these fools out there that tell you that you don't have to live righteous and that it's not necessary. Why would you listen to them? According to the word of God, they're fools and they don't have understanding. It's the truth. Again, we'll use that scripture right there. We'll use another scripture. Okay. Psalms, and we're going to close up today. You've got to close up today. Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Let's read it again. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Good understanding have all they that keep his commandments. See, good understanding comes if you keep his precepts. You can't hear God if you're not obeying God. And what you're open to is channeling of spirits. And this is where people get delusional and get off base. So the renewed mind is the mind that can discern the spirit. When you deny yourself, when you take up your cross and when you follow Jesus, that's a paradigm to hear God. When you deny yourself, when you crucify your flesh and you follow Jesus, that's a paradigm to hear from God. But that's a renewed mind. That's a disciple. He said, if you, if you, if you hear my word and you abide in my word, then you're my disciple. See, we use two scriptures that clearly show you that obedience gives us discernment. So the only person who can have discernment is a disciple. Jesus said, you're my disciple. If my word abides in you and you abide in my word, then indeed you're my disciple. So you're not Christ's disciple and you can't have discernment. Ooh, that means there's a lot of people out there that are very dangerous. And you and I can be very dangerous if we don't establish our life on what the word says. My life is established on the word before anything else. Everything else is secondary to the word of God. That's why we preach the way we preach here. Amen.
God bless you. I know you're getting good word today. I know you're getting free. I know you'll never be changed. You'll never, you'll never be the same by hearing what I'm teaching today. If you take it, you practice it, you put it into memory, you live it out every day, you will be, you will be a different person. God bless you. Uh, Spammy, God bless you. Andrea, God bless you. Johnny, God bless you. Amen. Lord bless you all. And if you haven't been here before and you've gone to the chat area, you know, I would I would encourage you to get into the chat area, get to talk to some people, meet some people. We will we will delete and block anybody who's not on target. We will do that. But um, but God bless you. Anyways, we still love everybody. Amen. Amen. We, we're going to love you anyways. But uh, God bless you. And thank you for coming on in. Amen. Amen. So God bless you. I've got to, I've got to be going. I've got to take care of business today. But the Lord bless you and keep you. This is Pastor John. Thank you for uh, praying for us and supporting us in Jesus' name.